Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. I think it depends on the job too, right? There should be a higher standard for running for president than for being a mayor mm-hmm. or for being a vice president of sales or whatever, right? It depends on the job. I think forgiveness is more available at lower level positions. And I have evolved in my thinking about that. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Fancy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Sarah, I think we should talk about Joe Biden today. Is that all we're going to talk about? I think that's plenty. (laughs) Before we start that conversation, we are excited because tonight we are going to be at South Church in Portsmouth, New Hampshire with River Run Bookstores to talk with Senator Maggie Hassan and lots of other political topics. So we hope to see many, many of you there. We've been on the road all week. We're going to be on the road for the next almost three weeks together. So it's going to be a, an interesting April and our travels give us opportunities to vet some topics in advance, which is why I say we really only have room to talk about Joe Biden today. We had a very spirited discussion in the car yesterday about this 
And I'm excited to share our thoughts with all of you. Excited, question mark? Well, it started because, not surprisingly, I very much connected to Rebecca Traister's Joe Biden is not the answer editorial. I always connect with Rebecca Traister's editorials and her books. I feel like she's in my head. Particularly, I have connected with the way she started speaking very openly about the fact that we have sort of minority rule in this country. And like, it's just a very forceful, straightforward way in which she talks about the white guys are a minority. They have the power. This is not acceptable. And she very much called out Joe Biden as being a participant in that system, particularly in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, when women in particular were stripped of rights based in part on a system that Joe Biden very much participated and decisions Joe Biden made, particularly with regards to the Anita Hill case and choosing not to have the other women testify. Clarence Thomas got on the Supreme Court and was part of a conservative majority that also obviously made a lot of decisions that affected everyday Americans. So I really, I was all in. I was ready. You not so much. No, I think a whole lot of distinct questions are getting bundled in the conversation about Joe Biden. And I would like to unbundle those questions. There's first to me the question of whether Joe Biden would be a better president than Donald Trump. I think the answer to that is yes. And I think we should put that aside. Is Joe Biden a better option than Donald Trump? Yes. Is Joe Biden a better option than all the other 150 people running for the Democratic nomination? I think the answer is probably not. Should he run? That's a different question. The conversation being had, I don't want to say allegations because that's kind of silly. We've watched Joe Biden publicly interact with women and men in the way that is being discussed right now. So this isn't to me a Me Too conversation as much as a what do his actions mean conversation. And I think the next question is, are those actions disqualifying from seeking the Democratic Party's nomination? And I think the answer to that is clearly not. But I imagine I'm not going to hear a unanimous um, agreement about that, which is fine. But like, do you see what I'm saying? I just don't like pushing all this together because I think what comes across is, God, you can't take a breath in this country without people being ready to take you down for it. And that is very destructive to the conversation about gender and power that we're trying to have. So to the issue of whether it's disqualifying, I realized after we we talked about it, my standard, sort of the level at which I decide if something is disqualifying to be the Democratic nominee for president right now in 2019 is very, very low. It's very low. It's not an objective standard I would apply in every scenario. But for right now, because we have so many amazing candidates, the smallest thing, I'm like, fine, you're done. Let's go. Let's move on. We have like 25 people and some of them are amazing. Many, many of them are amazing. And so that's sort of how I felt with Amy Klobuchar. Okay, no, that's not, we're no good. We're going to move on now because we have 25 people. We don't have to have people limping into the nomination because they've been beaten up or they have these issues. We have enough, a big enough field, a very talented, amazing field that we don't have to have a very high, like, we don't have to let people buy, basically. You know, like, we don't have to let it slide or we don't have to look the other way. And 
I think the reason that it, it's not just that my my sort of my my base level is pretty low, but also with regards to any gendered issue, because for better or for worse, Hillary Clinton could not attack Donald Trump on his issues with women because of her husband's history. Now, is Joe Biden Bill Clinton? Of course he isn't. He doesn't have that level of issues in any in anybody's interpretation. But anything, anything at all is going to be a problem. Any sort of anything Donald Trump can hang his hat on and say, well, how are you going to how are you going to accuse me of doing that thing? How are you going to accuse me of making women uncomfortable or sexually assaulting women when you clearly have your own issues? Like I want like I want as close to perfect as we can get with regards to that, which is hard, which would be a woman. (laughs) Well, except for Hillary wasn't. I mean, there you go. And you have the Klobuchar issues. I mean, there is a way to go after anybody, right? Donald Trump will find a way with whomever the candidate is. And I think sending a message that you have to be a perfect human being is not a good one. Just on that As issue. we want to encourage more people <laughs> to come into public office. And I think there is a big difference between the way Joe Biden has interacted with people and what Donald Trump has done, what any number of people who could be accused of having a, quote, woman problem has done. And that is where I think this conversation gets really hard and really important. I know everybody is making fun of the video Joe Biden made, and I wouldn't have advised him to do it that way. Okay. I think it wasn't great, but I do think there is room to have a conversation about the fact that different women would react differently and have reacted differently and are publicly reacting differently now to the same conduct from Joe Biden. Women who did not give explicit, in-the-moment, enthusiastic consent to having his hands on them have said, I really appreciated him putting his hands on me. And other women have said, I really did not appreciate that. All of those things are totally different than every other Me Too conversation that we've had. And I just think sticking it under that umbrella is detrimental. I also think it's important to talk about the fact that you do need to be aware of all of the dynamics in any situation when physical touch is involved. That's hard. It sucks. It's awkward. I think that's a period that we have to go through, though, so that people like Joe Biden, who I think are not always aware of the power that they're walking around with, don't find themselves in these circumstances where a woman has been made to feel really uncomfortable, even though... He was acting with the opposite of that intention. I think that the reality of this story and why it has legs is less having to do with a sort of Me Too conversation or even necessarily a wholly gender conversation. What this says and what he sort of played into with that video is that Joe Biden is the product of another time. He's a relic. That's the narrative this issue feeds. When he says in that video, times have changed, social norms have changed. Right. You're right, Joe Biden. Lots of things have changed. And you are not the best person to lead us into that changed environment. Because you have led and your life experiences predominantly exist in another time, in another century, literally. I mean, we all know it's different. I don't think anybody feels like... Joe Biden is, you know, sexually assaulting people or that it's this Les Moonves or Harvey Weinstein situation. The reason that it's 
it's growing and that it is taking off. It is because it is reflective of the fact that Joe Biden represents another time when we do not live in anymore, when he is not best qualified, not even not qualified is not the right word because he clearly has qualifications. But at a certain point, we have to acknowledge that the world is different and the qualifications you gained were in a different world, a different world with different rules, not just about when you touch women on stage, but about a lot of things. What I think we have to be careful about, and I feel like so much a classic conservative right now being like, here's where we have to be careful. But what I think we have to be careful about is that while times have changed in terms of our expectations about how much we're entitled to say, here's how you are allowed to interact with my body, is that we don't want to lose the ability to physically interact with one another. If I look at the state of our society right now, I think we need more touch, not less. I think a lot of what has been said in defense of Joe Biden is 100% true, that he connects with people in a way that is important that we need more of. And I don't want to scare people away from that kind of connection. I think what we have to learn is, how do I know that I have permission to make that kind of connection? How do I know that I have really considered how my actions will be received? It's just unfortunate to me that we're having this conversation around Joe Biden because he might be running for president. Because if we were having it divorced from that context, I think it could be so much more helpful and interesting and less threatening to people. That's what it is right now, right? It looks like Me Too is a weapon to throw out against your opponents. And and I hate that. That breaks my heart for all of the really good work that has been done around Me Too. I mean, I think that there were people saying this stuff about Joe Biden before he was running for president. There are photo galleries and editorials written up about, like, why does he do this? It's so weird. (laughs) Um, Somebody tell him to stop. And, I I mean, I don't disagree that there is room for warmth in politics, but he's not Eskimo-kissing men. You know what I mean? Like, what's being said about Joe Biden was being said about Joe Biden before, that he has this weird physical interaction with people, but that also that he's very warm and that he connects with people. That Anita Hill is an issue that he has still not apologized for and that he has still not taken responsibility for. So that was definitely being said before he was running for president. But also at the same time, like, what's the answer? When somebody decides to run for president, that's going to increase the scrutiny on them. I don't know the the alternative to saying, we don't want to pull this stuff out for you and use it as a weapon just because you ran for president. Yeah, but your past choices are important because you're running for president. So I don't know, how would how would we bring this up in a more fair way? I don't know the answer to that either. Yeah. I think that's really hard. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know a more fair way for it to come up. I think the struggle, and I fully agree with you about Anita Hill, and I feel that even more acutely now because of Christine Blasey Ford, Right. And I do think there is a scarring effect of those two confirmation hearings that will not be lost in our generation. I think that that will forever be with me. And so I think that is totally legitimate fodder and that his answers to that matter. What I think we all need to work on is creating a model where forgiveness is available. If he truly said, I'm sorry, is forgiveness available? We don't have a lot of good models of that right now. You know, Lou, one of our listeners on Twitter, pointed out the only person who's really apologized is Al Franken, and Al Franken is the only person who's really lost something. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about that? I mean, I think that you, it's hard to believe that somebody is sorry 
if they're not going to stop seeking the power or authority that brought up this discussion in the first place. Like, I'm really going to try harder and I really believe that I misunderstood and I'm going to, well, that's great. I don't think it's impossible to stay and apologize and be sincere, I guess. I mean, I wish somebody could follow, I wish Northam had followed the example set out in our interview with David Camps, but I don't see anybody doing that. I don't see anybody actually sacrificing anything because, you know, it's like I tell my kids, sorry means I'm sorry I did it and I'm going to try not to do it again. And then you have to show me you're not going to do it again with something. And I'm not saying that 100% of the time has to be you resign or you stop, you know, end your campaign. But until and unless somebody gives me another example, I don't know what else to look to. I think it depends on the job too, right? There should be a higher standard for running for president than for being a mayor Mm -hmm. or for being a vice president of sales or whatever, right? It depends on the job. I think forgiveness is more available at lower level positions. And I have evolved in my thinking about that. But what's been on my mind as we've had this conversation that's helped me evolve in my thinking about the different kinds of positions, you and I were having a conversation after the fact, but in our first days of podcasting about Mitt Romney and his binders full of women comments. And you said at the time that you didn't disagree about what his intentions were, that they probably were good intentions, but you didn't want a president who had to be coached Mm -hmm. around the way he talks about gender. You don't want somebody who needs help on that issue. You want someone who's there. And I think that's a good guideline for how you evaluate Joe Biden's candidacy. And to me, it's less, is Joe Biden disqualified, which I don't even know what that means in a democratic society. That's a that has Donald Trump as a president? Well, <laughs> in general, right? Who, to, to the point that we talked about yesterday, who does the disqualification? You don't really have parties that are strong I mean, strong Twitter enough. thinks it does. Twitter sure. thinks it does, which is super unhelpful and is part <laughs> of what flushes all of these discussions down the toilet really quickly. But you don't have parties that are strong enough for a party chair to say to someone, you know what? Mr. Biden, thank you for your service, but we don't need you in this race. Like, who's going to have that discussion? Nobody. There's nobody to say, guess what, Tim Ryan? The table is full. Nobody else needs to run for president. There's nobody to say that. So disqualification isn't really even a thing. But to me, it's different from saying Joe Biden should not run for president because of of this conduct, which I think is absurd, versus... As I make my decision about who I'm going to support, this is data to me, and I just don't want a president who is working on this issue. I want somebody who's there and who's had a different set of life experiences that helps them be there right now. I think Kamala Harris is a really great example of somebody who balances being very authoritative, very aware of people's boundaries, and also super warm. If you watch video of her interacting with people on the trail, She touches people. She connects with people. You can see it. You can see how captivated they are by her, much like people are with Joe Biden. But I think because she has a different set of life experiences, she doesn't have to be coached on how to do that. And I don't want somebody that has to be coached on that. And I don't want somebody who lived their 
entire lives, pretty much, you know, before the internet. I've already said this. I will not be voting for baby boomers in the primary, not because of ageism, but because I'm ready for a different perspective at the table. And that doesn't just have to mean identity based on race or gender. Identity has a lot of meaning to it. And some of that is your interaction with a new economy, your vision of the world, your way you interact with other people online, offline, understanding cell phones. I mean, like all that That's really important to me. I feel like we are on the cusp of, or probably already in, a huge transition in our economy and in our culture and in our country. And I want somebody who's ready to move forward in that transition without being stuck in a perspective that's on the the back end of that transition. That's just, that's really important to me. It doesn't have to be important to everybody, but when I read Traster's article, She just articulated why I'm particularly angry about Joe Biden. Look, I used to, I I still really love Joe Biden. I'll get back there. I'm just a little angry right now. I loved all the Biden Obama memes. I thought they were delightful. I find him to be a very warm individual. I know that he has suffered a massive amount of personal tragedy in his life and the way that he's overcome it is amazing. But I feel like there is this, underlying narrative that I'm being told as a Democratic voter that this entire field full of women and people of color, I feel like I'm being told they're going to be beat just like Hillary. We can't risk that. Y'all just keep, y'all just keep waiting. Just keep waiting. And I don't want to wait anymore. And I don't want to be told, like, I'm really ready to risk it. Like, I'm ready to risk it. This idea that a white guy is the only one that can save us from Trump really makes me angry. And I feel like that's what I'm being told with Joe Biden. And that's what, you know, sort of articulating his experience. And not just that. It's not just that he's a white guy. It's that he's a white guy that participated in parts in our history and parts of our legislative history that are really important and really had impact and not the kind of impact we wanted. And so being asked to overlook that one more time, because no, really this time it matters and he has the right experience. And it just, it's infuriating. It's infuriating. When somebody says, he has foreign policy experience and Hillary Clinton didn't, I'm just, what am I supposed to take away from that? What am I supposed to take away from the fact that Hillary Clinton was a secretary of state and lost and Joe Biden has all this foreign policy experience and that's why we should pick him. What are you trying to say to me? Because It pisses me off. It really does. Because what I hear is I don't think what you're trying to say, or maybe it is, and maybe I'm right to be pissed off. I don't know. But it's just hard to let it go. What I'm coming around to more and more is that we are all, me in particular, are really still carrying the scars from 2016. As we go into this nomination process, and it's such a wide field of candidates, it's just hard. It's breaking it all back up again. (laughs) This entire primary needs a trigger warning. We'll take a quick break. I have a reaction to that, but we will take a quick break and get back to it. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. 
And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Pantsuit. I really hear and appreciate how acutely you feel that sense of I'm tired of waiting for the exact right woman or the exact right person of color or the exact right LGBT person to take office. And I understand that and I agree with it. I feel it less acutely than you do. And I think that's part of why I always feel some distance between myself and Rebecca Traster's writing because I just don't bring that level of emotion to it. And I also have spent so much of my time working with people who are in the process of evolving. I know more Joe Bidens in my life than Rebecca Traster's. And I think we all have different work to do. And I think my work is to think about the incremental progress that we can make within a system instead of being a person who is a system disruptor. And that's where I think the way we talk about this matters a lot, because Everything that you said about electing a baby boomer president, I think is important and valuable. And that's good information that you bring to your process as a voter. That is different from cancel all the baby boomers. We don't ever want to hear from another person of that age in public or private life ever again. We talked about this with Brett Kavanaugh, too. 
saying, I don't think this person should be on the Supreme Court in light of these allegations is different from, I don't think this person deserves to exist anymore. And I know that people are tired of the fragility of white men in the baby boomer years listening to things like this. But I feel like part of my work is to lean into that fragility and respect it and work with it and to and to be reassuring to say that's not what anybody means. So if you are listening to Lucy Flores and the six other women, I think, who've talked about moments when Joe Biden has made them uncomfortable and you are hearing, therefore, he is a terrible human being and nothing he's done in his life matters. I want to reassure you that that's not at all where I think most women are. I think the question is more, do I want to have to educate the president of the United States on people's personal space or not? And I think the answer for most women is at this moment in history, no, I don't. I want to move past that. That was the extra spirited part of our discussion in the car is whether you're an outside the system or an inside the system person. And if I'm being honest, I fluctuate. When Rebecca Traister, when Ta-Nehisi Coates, when other sort of public intellectuals say people, particular groups, do not give up their power willingly, they have not throughout human history, and they're not going to start now, I feel like a pluck on a cord, on a string in my heart. Like it just, it feels true to me in every cell of my body. And I think for better or for worse, You don't get to be an outside or you're not really an outside the system person because you acknowledge that there's in the system work. You know what I mean? Like, I think like by definition, you feel like that's the only way to create change. And I think we just have to let those people be who they are. And I don't think you're saying to not. Right. But they are definitely, you're going to feel from them that your work within the system doesn't work and is not valid. For better or for worse, that is the reality because they believe that. And I think for better or for worse, real change has come from the United States because there was a conversation between in the system and outside the system people and the outside of the system said, no, no more. I'm not trying within the system anymore. I'm doing something different. And so I'm proud of that. I think those are good parts of our history. And I also acknowledge that the inside the system people either had to be pressured or just did have sincere changes of hearts like that. I mean, we're not all going to be one or the other. And that's sort of what the show is always about is that there the table is big and they're in a country with 300 million people trying to do real multicultural democracy for probably the first time in human history. Like it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be some people sitting at the table saying your way You're at the table because I have no no other choice, but your way doesn't work. And we just all have to not, like, just live with that. I don't know any other way. Like, I don't know that, like, just to not get defensive, to understand. Like, there are going to be people because of their own life experiences who want to cancel Joe Biden. They're pissed off. I'm pissed off. I don't want to cancel Joe Biden. But I'm pissed off. And, like, I guess we just have to leave space for that. It's just hard not to, when I I hear what you're saying, I don't even disagree with it, but it's just hard because the devil on my shoulder is screaming, I don't want the conversation to be about them and their comfort level anymore. And like I say, like they're not going anywhere and you know, the baby boomers aren't going to just all leave. And I love so many baby boomers. Oprah is a baby boomer. What more do you need to hear from me? Like 
So I, I get it, but it's just, we're all feeling big feelings right now. So guess what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I'm not feeling big feelings as much as I'm looking at all those big feelings thinking, what can be made good from this? I think what happens in the Democratic primary in the next year and a half matters more significantly to our country than perhaps it has at other moments in history. Mm-hmm. Not all the other moments, but but definitely at some other moments in history. It certainly matters more to me because I do not find the president to be a person who is a viable option for my vote in 2020. So I care a lot about the conversation in the Democratic primary and I see some things that make me feel really optimistic about that conversation. Even though I am very far away from where the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is in terms of the policy proposals they want from candidates, I'm very, very far from that. I love how supportive many of these candidates have been of each other. I love how Kirsten Gillibrand is constantly on Twitter saying, look at my friend Cory Booker, hooray. I loved it when Amy Klobuchar complimented Kamala Harris publicly for Kamala's proposal on increasing teacher pay. There are some dynamics within that field that could change the way we do elections in a really positive way. However you feel about the policy proposals that are circulating, the way those people are treating each other matters a lot. And I don't want to see the degradation of that because of Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And that's where I feel the pull right now, right? As you watch the conversation, especially on social media, which I should say is not representative of all of America, but it feels like it is sometimes. And it is more influential than I wish it were. And I feel the pull away from that warm embrace of look at all of us with good ideas may the best person win when Bernie and Joe Biden come into the picture. Beth, I'm also feeling very big feelings about Kathy Griffin. No one saw that curtain coming. It's a hard turn. Uh uh (laughs) So I invited you to listen along with me yesterday. I'd started a podcast recode with Kara Swisher. She interviewed Kathy Griffin This was a recommendation of a listener. Thank you. It was a very good one. It was amazing. Did you have any concept of what she went through based on the Donald Trump decapitation photo? I think I had a concept of what she went through in terms of sort of social media outrage public life. I did not understand at all how he used the full power of the presidency to impact her life in ways so significant that she can't get through an airport now without being detained. Yeah, I really want everyone to listen to this, but let me just give you the quick rundown in case you don't have time because I want this story to get out there and we have a platform and I'm going to use it because I think it's so important. She was investigated by the Secret Service. She was charged by the Department of Justice with conspiracy to harm the president or whatever. It's like a lifetime sentence. They wanted to, like, perp walk her in a jumpsuit. She had to do a interrogation at her attorney's office. They put her on the do not fly list. She got put on the Interpol list. So every time she travels across the globe, they basically detain her for several hours and take her passport because of this photo. Because that they claim she was in ISIS. Like, this is insane. No one, no one who looked at that photo thought Kathy Griffin was a physical threat to Donald Trump. That's outrageous. And the fact that she was basically harassed. I mean, she's made a steal. I have so much respect for her and already did. You know, she's like, I'm a 58 year old woman in a field, in an industry that's been trying to put me out to pasture for years. 
and I refuse to go. And she talks about how she was such a good target because she doesn't have, like, she's not Johnny Depp who has the power of the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, and all the PR people to help him get out of stuff he says about Trump. But none of them should be in anything to begin with because they say something about Trump. Celebrities sound off about politics. It's what they do. And I just, I was blown away by what she's gone through and her sort of courage and and talking about it and sort of not regretting what she did and saying, like, he needs to be called to the mat. I want to do my small part of it. I just was really, really impressed by her. I think there are a lot of us who have historically voted Republican who hear hyperbole and hysterics when words like fascist and authoritarian are used about the president. And I think that examples like this show that we are trending in a really dangerous direction when the Secret Service and the FBI and the no-fly list are brought to a situation of a comedian clearly operating within the parameters of the First Amendment, we have a real problem. And we have a problem that is very personalized in nature. And we have a problem that is not getting enough attention and, in fact, is being pretty actively suppressed a lot of networks could make money off of telling Kathy Griffin's story, which she has put together in a documentary, and they won't take it because they're a risk to them. They need this government's cooperation. And when and now I understand that that kind of sentiment has been going on a long time. There are lots of people who think about what is this going to do to me in front of the FTC? What is this going to do to me in front of Congress? But I do think this takes it to a new level and a level that we all need to be concerned about. We are all Kathy Griffin in this way, right? When our rights are cast aside simply because we've offended someone and we are punished through these really extrajudicial processes, Mm -hmm. what's her remedy for the things that have happened to her? She doesn't have one. That should worry all of us, regardless of how you feel about any other political issue. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. 
comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Well, and I, I will say she did, she says that she loves the FBI, that they would like you know, they call her lawyer if it was not a big threat. Then they call her if it was a bigger threat. But sometimes, y'all, they would just come to her house and not even knock because the threat was so imminent. They would just, they call it a no-knock. And they would just come in and be like, you're in danger. What the heck? I just, I... And to, can I just be clear that that's not from the administration. No. That's from people right. who were threatening her. Threatening her. QAnon types were oh, brought no. up in this interview. I mean, that that those are private citizens reacting so forcefully to this. And I, I do want to make sure we're careful about that distinction. I love the metaphor she uses. She calls it the wood chipper. So like once that he says, You're an enemy of mine, then you know, the the theaters where she was performing would get robocall, like troll robocalls, or she would get, you know, her Twitter feed is filled with bots. And it's just sort of gets spread out to everywhere and multiplies in this really, really threatening, harmful, scary way. One of my favorite things I wanted to bring up when you said she was shopping around to the networks and she talks about how like, yeah, there are more women in Hollywood, but all the sex China, sex Freudian slip, all the check signers are old dinosaurs. They're just, they're old white guys who still have the final say. And somebody says, well, why didn't you, why don't you crowdfund distributing this? And she said, I have enough money. I don't need any more money. That's not what this is about, which I thought was such a powerful statement. So we will put the link to the full interview in the show notes. Highly, highly recommended. I think it's so important. She also said, and I think this is particularly radical in America in 2019, when she said, I have enough money. She said, I don't want hardworking people who don't have the money that Mm -hmm. I have contributing to get my documentary out. Mm -hmm. And that is a spirit that I wish we could see more of. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a beautiful thing. And when she talked about the check signers, I think that's relevant to the Joe Biden conversation Mm -hmm. as well. It is not, again, that there's no place for white men who have ascended to the highest levels of power. It is that... There is a price to them staying in those highest levels of power exclusively and without a definite end date. And there is a perpetuation of that. 
because they are there, it is harder for other people to get there. We are making progress. I don't want to act like we're not, but it's not enough progress fast enough for those of us who occasionally experience that sense of bees that we talked about during the Kavanaugh hearing, just I'm, I'm angry in a way that I feel is going to start to eject from my body. And we have to work with that. And I think I'm an in the system person squarely. And so I just keep thinking about how we work the system. But I do appreciate people who are pushing it harder than I would push it on my own. And I think just holding that tension between us is the best we can do. Well, thank you as always for joining us as we hold the tension between us. We hope to see many of you in New Hampshire tonight. There's information about that on our Facebook page as well as our event next Friday in Florida. So go check it out. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband, Nicholas Holland, and my husband, Chad Silvers. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.